and boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to episode 73 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Greetings, Earthling. <laughs> oh, oh, what could that be referencing? I am here from a distant planet to recap your Earth wrestling. Oh. <laughs> and I gotta say... I'm impressed. <laughs> well, th- 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 thanks for joining us from your uh, from your alien planet, from uh, my home world, from your home world. Did many you... light years, many moons away. Did you see uh, Evilise basically trying to end her AEW career here and now? <laughs> she, I mean, look, man, I've seen honestly not even the dumbest yeah. they, like Evilise post of the last like two to three years. True, <laughs> like, but we keep going to cancel Evelise, but we have to understand Evelise is just a dummy. She's just a dummy wrestler, and if we just like acknowledge she's just a dumb idiot who does wrestles, and we all just kind of move forward. She's I told you this off pod, but she's just like a Facebook idiot from my hometown. That's what Evelise <laughs> is. Like Evelise <laughs> posts the same way, like a totally broken b- brain millennial that never left like their suburban enclave of the Midwest posts. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, I, I would not expect her very much longer in this company. The way she's uh, she she was going on about snakes and being backstabbed. It's like uh, that's uh, prob- uh, like uh, okay. she literally <laughs> probably like got into an argument with her cousin. Like, it probably has nothing to do with any of that. She's just a dumb poster. Right. Like, I, I don't really expect that to really be anything, to be honest. She'll be fine. She'll be continue to utilize the same way she's been for the last couple months, which is, like, gets a few all. matches in the dark, and we see her on Dynamite maybe once a month. Yeah, I mean... Did, did, she's in the women's division, so, like, she's going to need to get some fucking time first before we can go, you know, kicking her off TV. we got to get her on the show first. <laughs> I mean, do, do, I mean, do do we miss Evilise at this point? I mean, my I don't need to really rehash my Evilise opinions. I feel like I've given them all on this podcast ad nauseum. But right. I think she's a really good wrestler, and yeah, I do think she's a dipshit, but she's really good at wrestling. So whatever. Yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, it's, we, it's whatever, man. Like most wrestlers, nah, not even most, but there's like a large contingent of wrestlers that are dumb idiots that I think are entertaining when they're on my television. That's like well, probably the same with a lot of people you think are good actors or performers in a lot of different mediums. Yeah. Well, man, unless you're like being like truly malicious, 
you know, if we were out there just like seeking out every single, I don't want this to be like some dumb, like, I don't want to say cancel culture, but you know, that's, it's just a stupid conversation to have on a wrestling <laughs> podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I, you know, the, 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 the opposite argument about cancel culture is no, it's not actually cancel culture. It's consequences culture. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, and there's like arguments for all that too, but like to litigate that in wrestling would be exhausting, really, just exhausting. It would be, yeah, I I, I agree, it would be. It would be absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, 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 what an excruciating I, podcast to have to listen to. Welcome to the Cancel Culture Wrestling Podcast, where we go through every wrestler individually and decide whether or not we should cancel them. We go on all of their merits, we examine all their pros and cons, and look at every post that they've ever had. One by one. Each episode is seven and a half hours. Well, you know, all I can say is I, I think if uh, Austin Aries never sets foot in the ring again, you know what? <laughs> we'll be okay. We talk- He's not an AEW. Please don't make me talk about that guy. No. Fortunately, I earned one of my favorite uh, uh, things on the internet, an Austin Aries block. I am blocked by Austin Aries, so I don't have to see his post. It's great. The best thing you can do is antagonize Austin Aries or say something mean to him. He will read it, and he will block you, and then you don't have to deal with his posts ever again. Uh, got to tell you, strategy. I, I, I know Chris caught the block from Will Ospreay a while ago, but it was probably just for something stupid. Yeah, uh, Will Ospreay, another dummy who reads all the posts. So if you really are sick of Will Ospreay online, just say something mean to him. He'll block you. Or even vaguely critical, even. you know, Even vaguely critical. Correct. <laughs> Tell Austin Aries that the earth is round. <laughs> it's not that hard. You know, despite everything, I am still really surprised I never caught the block from Michael Elgin. But you know what? He I he, he ended up he, he he ended up yeah right. He ended up canceling <laughs> himself. So you know, yeah, fuck that guy. I yeah, seriously, like, fuck that guy. Here's a, here's a good question: Is has Michael? El- let's find out live on the podcast if Michael Elgin has blocked me. Because <laughs> okay, I let's find out. Yeah, I have done enough to earn it. No, wow, Mike. Because I know he's definitely interacted with my tweets before, and they were not nice to him. So, all right, <laughs> respect for Big Mike for uh, for listening. I guess. You're yeah. still an asshole. You suck. And uh, anytime that you wrestle in Chicago, if I come back, I will walk out just like I have with all your previous other matches. Jeez. Shithead. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, well, Rest time to go take a break at Warrior Wrestling. You go outside. You know. You maybe uh, you got a little. Maybe if you're a smoker, maybe you got a little vape pen on you. Yeah. You know. You take a little. Take a little break ski. Yeah. Maybe I, you I, hit I, the merch I, table. Yeah. Hit the gimmick table. Find yourself some gimmicks. You know, I, I I love when uh, I saw him at the at the Warrior show that Minoru Suzuki was at, and he cuts this promo about how he's had some difficulties here in Chicago. Well, yeah, it turns out Chicago wrestling fans maybe don't really like guys who are like implicated in being. It's because a, we hate being you, a sex, it. Like, a yeah. sex pest. Yeah. Well, that was that was one of the shows where I did, in fact, walk out in his segment. I was not in the building well, while did, he was doing his thing well, during that. Well, did you happen to see uh, that? That uh, the post match promo when he was saying that he starts heckling a guy. Uh, no, that, I did not. Okay, I, so I, that I, guy, that guy was a uh, friend of Strong Style Story, JB Rowe, local ah. wrestling related artist. The the co you know the co founder of of Hardway Limited. The you know, the, uh, ah, the 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 yes. t shirts. The guy sitting next to him was also a guy who just had. A, a series debut from Marvel uh, this week, uh, artist Daniel Warren Johnson. Well, congratulations, Daniel. 
very nice. So yeah, it was yeah that Chicago that, represented. And that, we, that, that was uh, nice. we love our we love local talent and we hate Michael Elgin. Michael Elgin sucks shit. Yeah, uh, Michael Elgin. Yeah, Michael Elgin can 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 eat it. You know. Yeah, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, uh, imagine you know you know looking at New Japan now and they have Jeff Cobb and it's like wow it's like Michael Elgin with like. More talent and way less baggage. You know? Yeah, I mean, like all Jeff Cobb also with some pretty sus views, but like sort of harmless, kind of more of just like a your average just dumb guy. Yeah, he, uh, right. I mean, yeah. you know, not he, he also questions the shape of our our lovely Earth, uh, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I, I get it. Guys who like Americans. Okay, this is a man from Hawaii. Who has wrestled in Japan and the United States and all over the world, right? Right. So you gotta think that he has flown in both directions, like around the world, right? What would like, think? Yes. Throughout his like cumulative travels, and you gotta think a lot of professional wrestlers have. How is it possible to believe in a flat Earth when you yourself have flown around the globe? <laughs> yeah. Can we answer that? Yeah, you know, pro wrestling is uh, it's an interesting field, but uh, it, it's a it, land of contrast. It, 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 it attracts an interesting, uh, interesting uh, employee base. It certainly does. Um, you know, uh, from flat earthers to another thing, there's an actual alien in wrestling. How can you believe in these things <laughs> when there's like aliens? There's an alien that was on the show. Spoiler alert! There was an alien on the show. <laughs> Did you see Dark Elevation or uh, or or Dark this week? I saw them both, and there's no bit. I actually did watch them both. Now, granted, I watched them both while gaming. It was like a second screen experience, which unlocked something for me, Jeff. I think that's the sweet spot for these shows. I think that they are not even background experiences, but I think if you have two or more monitors. That it's, you know, on one while you're doing another thing on another. And I think that's a really good way to have extra wrestling. There's so many matches, right? There's 10 to 50 matches. Our elevation was two and a half hours. Good golly, Miss Molly. Are you serious? It's, yes. And that's too long. I think these shows should be an hour or less. But I yeah, get what they are. They're, I, they're using it to burn matches and get work in for people that they're evaluating while also pumping out content, getting some YouTube ad revenue in the process. They can work out storylines before they get them onto Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, it's good practice for folks. It's good for Paul White. I get all of it, but it's too long. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, that, that is. They're that long is shows. But, you know, having them on while, you know, I'm uh, uh, maybe playing Sea of Thieves, which I've been getting back into lately, um, you know, or stuff like that, uh, I think it's great. I think if you're doing a little work and you got an, a little extra monitor space, you know, if uh, uh, you can do that, I think it's nice for that. Get a little extra wrestling in. Kind of let it wash over you. Uh, but, yeah, there was some nice stuff in there. I like Paul White as a commentator, uh, specifically as it relates to elevation. I still – I think he's good and getting better, and I would like to see him featured a little more prominently. Maybe they'll let him call a match or two on a pay-per-view or something like that in the near future. It would be cool. And with that, we go pre-taped Daily's Place in Jacksonville, Florida for Episode 73 of AEW Dynamite. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. We go right in our first match of the evening uh the in-ring debut from for aew 
for one Christian Cage versus uh, Francisco Kazarian. They really got right to it with this match. I was kind of surprised this was the opener. Um, but yeah, very cool stuff. What'd you uh, think? I, you know what? It, it it was watchable. It was hardly a scorcher. It, it took a minute or two to, to, to get going. But it, it was watchable, I think. I think it served its purpose. It kind of did exactly what it was supposed to do, right? It was supposed to show us that Christian Cage still has it, which he does. I think the biggest takeaway from this is that Christian Cage looks great at 47 physically. Uh, he's in great shape. Uh, and I thought what really stood out to me was like the smaller stuff, like the, the storytelling pieces, the psychology pieces, the selling uh, really still has all that and maybe even some improvements in his time away, you know, with some, maybe some of his acting experience and things like that may have helped that. But uh, that really stood out to me, especially towards the end of the match, uh, like some of those late, like near falls and things like that. Uh, it really still has all that very fluid. Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a match of two veterans, one of whom who had not had a match in seven years or a yeah, singles and match. Yeah, and uh, ideal dance partner for this type of match, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it. I mean, it, it, again, it, it it was solid, not spectacular. It, it, it was not... That's was the not, plan. You don't want to show all your cards when it comes to Christian Cage right off the rip, right? You're building to something here. Like, there's... Like long-term storytelling implications with everything Christian Cage does from this point forward. So you show you know he's still got it. You don't overdo it. You know you get a, you know some of those kinks worked out. Give him a win on TV. We move forward. But I think the best is yet to come with Christian Cage. We then go to a promo between Darby Allen and Sting, where they're throwing money off of a bridge, where uh, and someone wearing a Matt Hardy mask is there to catch it. It was super fun. This was a really good one. Darby, I think, has a majority of the creative input on these things. Like, this is mostly, like, his brainchild, these type of uh, segments and vignettes. And they nail it for me. Like, uh, this one was great. We then get a pre-taped Jade Cargill promo, uh, where actually Jade did most of the talking. And, um, yeah, she is improving. And week to week, I think that uh, that really stands out, huh? It does. I mean, I, I, I mean, usually it takes a while to to get promos down if you're not a natural with it, and uh, she's kind of starting to 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 get it. I think. Yeah, and quickly. I mean, all the wrestling piece we've seen, she's a natural for, uh, and for her level of experience, just keeps getting better and better. The women's division in AEW uh, looking bright as far as the future goes. A lot of people at the earlier side of their careers that I think are going to do big things. Uh, no, so, uh, more so than Jade Cargill, who I'm going to keep comparing to Brock Lesnar. Cause I really think like, that's, that's the, the ceiling for Jade Cargill is like literally Brock Lesnar. We didn't get our second match of the evening, a, an exhibition match between Cody Rhodes and his supposed best friend, uh, QT Marshall, uh, with special referee, the enforcer, Arn Anderson, uh, special guest enforcery. Yes, uh, and of course, you know, members of the Nightmare family and the Nightmare Factory, uh, all strewn about the ring. Just... So there's a Nightmare family, there's a Nightmare Factory, there was a Nightmare Collective. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know. Thankfully, that did not last, because that Nightmare was... Quorum. Uh, what the, else? The uh, nightmare... Night... How about the Nightmare Association? Nightmare Association, Nightmare Federation. 
Oh, there we go. Nightmare Federation. Uh, Nightmare Ragtag Band. <laughs> the Nightmare Motley Crew. Oh, there, oh. there we go. Nightmare Force. Oh, that's <laughs> all. It's not like I, I think that was an old DC comic. No, wait, no, it was there's just Night Force. <laughs> Nightmare Friends. That's oh, there you nice. go. Uh, that, that's, that's just that's, nice. That's the cartoon version. Yeah. Nightmare Pals. The uh, Nightmare Pals. Oh, there we go. I like that. That's like <laughs> something like, 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 a, like a children's book starring Pharaoh. Right. It's the like Nightmare the Nightmare Pals. Pals. It's like all their pets. <laughs> if they put Hikaru Shida's really cool little tuxedo cat in, I'm for it. Uh, so anyway, this was a match un- until QT Marshall clocked Arn Anderson. Yeah, this wasn't really a match. It was about the result, and the result was, uh, yeah, a disqualification of an exhibition, I guess, or just, I don't know, Marshall did the thing where he hits Arn Anderson, and then he does like the, oh my god, I can't believe I did that. What happened there? Uh, all leading to, uh, you know, one of my favorite things. More factions, Jeff. Uh, indeed, in as uh, the students of the Nightmare Factory uh, all gang up on members of the, you know, the, the, the fully vested made men of the Nightmare family. The Nightmare family versus the Nightmare Factory. Uh, Nightmare versus Nightmare. Freddy Krueger loves it. Uh, Dustin Rhodes got some color. Dustin got a lot. Of, Dustin had to bleed for this. A Rhodes has to bleed anytime you do a major angle. It was Dustin's <laughs> turn, I guess. Uh so yeah, no, I mean it. It was really well executed. I'll say that like, it, it, it it came from like a nice spot. You know, they've been leading to a QT Marshall turn, but they you know have been hiding this whole you know family thing. But it leads to another faction. We're building towards big time faction wars in AEW. Jeff, this is they're really pulling the trigger on the factions thing. Now, I, I, Chris in a group chat pointed this out, which was you know what. The, it, this was, you know, what once the turn actually happened, it, it got a lot more entertaining, but it's still, you know, gross nepotism at the same time. With I don't know, you know. I, it, it is and it isn't because like these are all like AEW's best prospects. That's why they like train at this particular facility is because they're the people that AEW wants to have their closest eye on. Like it just is what it is. Like this is their major. Uh, uh, training outlet, you know, this is something that, like, Cody, as part of the whole AEW deal, right, you bring in QT Marshall and what, even to a lesser degree, AR Fox and Glacier, and you have these, you know, resources that are, like, your uh, your farm system, right? And, like, these are your be- your brightest stars of it. And so yeah. this is, like, an interesting way to feature all them, I think. I mean, I guess since they don't have a young lion system, they gotta do something. Right, it's, you know. it's just, like, another, like, and this is, like, the, the top of their farm system. People have been asking, where's Anthony Agogo? When are we going to see Anthony Agogo? And I think this is a good start for him. Yeah, so, uh, and who is the boxer? That's Anthony Agogo. Oh, that's, that is Anthony Agogo. Yes, okay. he was yeah. a, gold, or a, a bronze medal Olympian boxer. He's been doing commentary on AEW Dark the last couple of months uh, mm. in spots. Okay. So he's been, that's where he's kind of been and been training. Uh, so it's nice to see him, uh, uh kind of get started on his AEW run and in a featured spot. I think, you know, him being the one to take down Cody, uh, was no coincidence. Now during this red velvet comes out from the crowd and, you know, pleads for, you know, the life of, of Cody Rhodes and, you know, and, Just and, and you see the, uh, the Brandy Rhodes proxy, right. And seemingly begs off, you know, the, you know, QT and, and, and his little, uh, nightmare, uh, it is a little nightmare schwitz. 
but, nightmare. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's so? What are we calling them? Yeah. We don't know. I don't know yet. I think the nightmare pals is what I'm going to go with. <laughs> nightmare pals. Uh, so I was like, it was very interesting that they have Red Velvet in this segment, but there was no Jade Cargill. I thought this was a big opportunity, like for Jade Cargill to come, because well, my thought was um, to mirror the Anna J. Uh, Brandy Rhodes stuff, right? I right. thought this was a perfect opportunity for like when you know Velvet's out there trying to stop this group, much like uh, you know Brandy was trying to stop Dark Order from assaulting Cody. Anna J. comes out, chokes out Brandy. This would have been a good time for Jade to come out and mirror that segment. I thought that was kind of a miss. Right, but hold that thought. Mm-hmm. And I get why, because you don't want to like people to think like, oh, is Jade like part of this like thing now? Right. But anyway, hold that thought. Um, we come back from commercial and we get a joint promo, a joint pre-tape promo uh, with all ego Ethan Page and a bromo, if you will, and Scorpio Sky. So I guess they're they are a team now. Yeah, this is interesting that they just kind of unceremoniously removed Scorpio Sky from the SCU equation. They have not addressed it at all. Uh, we talked in this podcast about how we thought SCU might address Scorpio Sky's heel turn, and the answer is, mm, nah. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the answer is, yeah. Yeah, just kind of shrug your shoulders and yeah, well, just, just kind of move on. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, Daniels and Kazarian haven't been, you know, dastardly heels themselves, but, uh, you know. Right. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe that's, that, that is to come. I guess we'll see. But, uh, you know, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky have, like, you know, a reason to kind of come together. Guys who feel like they've been overlooked throughout long and uh, successful careers, being talented guys, especially Scorpio. Um, and I think uh, this could be, you know, interesting. We'll see. We then go backstage, and uh, Red Velvet is being interviewed, but not for very long because then Jade Cargill shows up and there it tra- is. And I get why they her. tried to separate this. I just thought the uh, the imagery of an attack at that moment would have been a more effective for me. Uh, but no, this you know we we continue with the Jade Red Velvet stuff, and it's working. We then get a free tape promo from one Jonathan Moxley, and. Uh, this was really good, as, oh, yeah. as usual. As usual, we, 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 we do like our our John Moxley promos. I mean, yeah. What's it's so hard to like analyze or break down a John Moxley promo because every week it's the same shit. John Moxley come out and he's awesome and he's cool and you're entertained by it, and then we can move forward waiting for him to show up on our screen and beat somebody up. Which hey, guess what? That was our third match of the evening as John Moxley. Takes on Cesar Bononi, who did not have as flashy gear this time. Not quite, but um, I like Cesar. This is uh, another big opportunity for him, getting a match against a top AEW star. They definitely like this guy, and they're they're testing him out uh, against some high-level competition early on in his AEW run. Right, and uh, Cesar Bononi, of course, is accompanied by Ryan Nemeth and uh, J.D. Drake. Yeah, it's a weird thing because he's normally paired up with Peter Avalon on AEW Dark, and they don't do that here. They just take some other guys, and I, you know, you see later why they were out there. They were there to take, you know, a few. And again, a, another uh, indicator that they really like Cesar Bononi that they bring these heaters out with him to take some of these big spots, so he doesn't be the one to take that damage. 
Right, right. Uh, because it, who was it? Was Nemeth who took uh, who took the Death Rider? Nemeth took the Death Rider. And uh, but it was uh, it, it was not to be for Cesar Bononi as he gets choked out by a rear naked choke by yes i like that rear naked choke he got but he got a two segment match you know he worked through a commercial break got a lot of offense in moxley sold well for him and uh, a nice a nice showcase for a guy who i think is going to be a rising star i think in a year or two uh we're going to see him much higher on the card yeah i, I mean this match it, it wasn't great but it was pretty good you know it was no, and i think there's something there with this guy we find him a good storyline a good character to sink into and like the right you know opponents Maybe we find a management or have him as part of like maybe and possibly the reason, you know, he's rolling with Ryan Nemeth and J.D. Drake and Peter Avalon on a different show is we could see another faction coming t- together. Yeah, that we, yeah that, none and, and, of that's out of the question anymore. Uh, anything could happen as far as factions go. Any group of singles wrestlers could be grouping up at any time now. Yeah, AEW do seem to love like their units right now. So yeah, no, they're setting something up like for some sort of I think maybe later this year some sort of large pay per view that's uh, geared around like some sort of faction wars. That's what I would guess, right? Like maybe like around full gear all out uh, time we get something uh, a pay per view that's specifically geared around it. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's full gear that's around the same time as Survivor Series. Oh. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, on a related note, we then go backstage. We go uh, to a pre-tape promo with Team Taz, and it's pretty apparent that Ricky Starks and Brian Cage still got some beef with each other. Little bit, little bit, brother. But yeah. you know that, that's the whole thing about Team Taz. They don't like each other, but they work together because they know they kick ass together. Right. Uh, Ricky Starks is getting the 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 cheesy shit eating grin. You know, the, 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 the real fake-looking smile. I mean, his confidence been... is off the charts. I think, yeah, that's one of the biggest things with uh, with Ricky Starks is a guy who's younger, you know, on the early side of his career, but just bursting with confidence, really shows it every time he's on screen, and he's super compelling. Uh, and it's making Brian Cage a lot more interesting in turn. Uh, they're really good uh, kind of foils for each other within the same faction here. And I'm interested to see how this continues to develop. We then go backstage to the now pinnacle dressing room where MJF is there to present a, a get his gift to the faction. And it is like uh, patterns and, and fabrics. They're, they're all going to get new tailored suits and shit, which yeah. is uh, pretty, pretty nice. You know, they, pretty nice they, gift. they, they have a, a look. And then uh, MJF mentions that they're going to be redecorating the, the locker room, including... Getting rid of the uh, getting rid of the, uh, the 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 little bathroom in there, which he then opens up and holy shit, it's the inner circle. Oh, it's the inner circle. So the inner circle, oh. not not broken up. Not and yet. Inner circle lives. I uh, eat some crow on that one. I was wrong. And uh, there is uh, there was some uh, there were some beatings being meted out here. Yes. Uh, the other. Or so everyone pairs off into their respective groupings. Everyone goes off. They they all go into their individual breakouts. Um, uh, Santana Ortiz putting the beating on FTR and oh my god, Dax Harwood. Yeah, just Dax gushing. and Dustin did a lot of bleeding on this episode of AEW Dynamite. Yes, and uh, yeah, Dax posted some pictures of his wounds after this match. 
he took a real gnarly little gash to the top of his head. Yeah, it I saw that. It was very wide, but it was pretty deep. Yeah, it's uh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it I looks mean, pretty rough. Yeah, that that that. Yeah, there was uh, yeah. I again, I am amazed at how much they are able to get away with bleeding on this show as much as they do. Uh, you know, it's TV fourteen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, but it's also in prime time though. So again, I'm just, yeah, it's it, fun. It, yeah. I mean, you I know. mean, did they bleed this much on uh, Franklin and Bash on TNT? I don't know. I don't know. I've never watched Franklin and Bash. Honestly, well, Actually, maybe you need to watch on your Franklin. Well, welcome to the Franklin and Bash podcast. <laughs> you know, my I have a cousin. Um, He's actually my father, my, my my dad's cousin. So I guess I would make him what my second or third cousin or something. I don't know how this cousin shit works, but um, he uh, don't ask he, Rudy Giuliani how cousin shit works. Oh boy, uh, yeah, he uh, he was on an episode of Animal Kingdom as a as, as a, you know in a one episode spot, like maybe in a background. I, I don't even know. I haven't even watched that sh- that show, and I have family. Who, and I, I, I you not familiar with Animal Kingdom? Uh no. It's 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 the show about the 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 family of gangsters. I think Ellen Barkin is in it as as, okay. as the lead. I have not seen it. No, I'm not familiar. But oh, okay. Oh okay. Interesting. All right. <laughs> well, well, what's Franklin and Bash about? I think uh one of I think it's uh the guy from Road Trip and you know, it's Brecken Meyer and Mark Paul Gosseler are lawyers. I think. <laughs> Wow. That's just blind. Okay, I did not. That, that's what I'm guessing off of, like what I remember from like commercials. Okay. <laughs> and wow. I'm gonna again because we have the power of the internet. Uh, I'm gonna look it up live, and I bet you there's some like Franklin and Bash heads uh, in, that are listening to the podcast. Like, oh, I know all about it. If you know about Franklin and Bash, you can tweet your favorite Franklin and Bash facts to us at BGTD Podcast. <laughs> Tweet us your favorite Franklin and Bash factoids and tidbits at BGTD Podcast. And, Frank- and, and actually, actually, you know what? The, the same offer will go for Animal Kingdom, too. There you go. Tweet us your best Animal Kingdom and Franklin and Bash facts to BGTD Podcast. Okay, Franklin and Bash. Yeah, Mark Paul Gosseler, Breckenmeyer, lawyers and lifelong friends Jared Franklin and Peter Bash are recruited by a large firm's major partner after winning a high-profile case. Okay. That's a and, lawyer show. Uh, yeah, it's a lawyer show. Malcolm McDowell's in it. Kumail oh Nanjiani is in it. Malcolm McDowell's in this show? Malcolm McDowell's in all kinds of shit. Malcolm McDowell was an entourage. God. Malcolm McDowell. Oh, and Heather Locklear was in it. Oh, she. Wow, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. There's a, That's a show. That is wow. certainly a TV okay. show. <laughs> Franklin and Bash. Wednesdays on it when it it did used to literally be in this show's time slot. It was Wednesdays at nine p.m. So what is it now? Or is it it's off oh, the it's air? long? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that it's show, off the air now. It ran for four seasons from twenty eleven to two thousand and fourteen. Oh, okay. So it had nothing to do with AEW. Why they're off? The no, air. no, no. But it <laughs> okay. was, but it one was, was once in this very time slot. But how do you like that? How do you like that? It all ties up. It all comes full circle. Well, then go. Franklin backstage. and Bash is like the name of a jobber tag team, though. 
It does. You know what? It does. It, like a guy, like the tag team that gets no entrance that the Lucha Brothers just like beat up on an episode of Dark. Right, right. Looking their way to the ring. Oh, wait. Already in the ring from Paramus, <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> Franklin, it's better. Good old Paramus, New Jersey. Lovely <laughs> this time of year. Oh, boy. We then go backstage. Speaking of tag teams, we then go backstage, and the Young Bucks are there, and then so is Don Callis, and I just kind of turned off at this. <laughs> I mentally just shut down at this because I do not want to deal with another Young Bucks and Don Callis backstage. Well, I, you know, again, means to an end, right? I think uh, what comes of this ends up being worth it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just... I'm just bored with it, you know. It's like, yeah. That, okay, so we're we're now what? This is like a catch up. It was like some. It was kind of like you're just uh, on the nose exposition in advance of the upcoming match. Right. But, I mean, we, we're now four months into Don Callis being on AEW TV, and it's just starting to be diminishing returns. Yeah, it's starting to run its course. I think the first two months, especially, were where you got the most out of it. Really? Yeah, it's starting to. I agree. Yeah, okay, yeah. Kenny Omega, the god of wrestling. Yeah, okay, we get it, Don. Yeah, don't, don't you, he's, don't, good at, he's good at professional wrestling. Yeah, don't, don't, don't you have a company of your own to run into the round? Yeah, okay. Uh, we then get our fourth match of the evening in which uh, Kenny Omega and the good brothers, Carl Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Doc Gallus face Penta El Cero Miedo, Rey Phoenix, E. La Redo Kid, uh, what did you think? Brothers, of this? comma, good versus brothers, comma, lucha. Exactly. Uh, I thought it rocked because Laredo Kid rocks. Like the, it's amazing. Like to be the star of a match featuring Pentagon, Ray Phoenix, Kenny Omega, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson, and like you're kind of the guy that stands out, uh, is a pretty big deal. Laredo Kid has had a fantastic little run here. Uh, really, like, you can't really make it go any better for you, right? Like, when you want to come to a different promotion and, like, kind of show out and make a little name for yourself, like, this is the way to do it. And I think every AEW fan is going to remember Laredo Kid. Yeah, I, I, I thought he, he did a really good job playing the face in peril in this match, too. Absolutely. Yeah, he took a lot of damage so the Lucha Brothers wouldn't have to and took and was incredible at it, but still got a lot of offense. And ultimately, the guy he's the guy who takes the pin, but was just a soldier. Yeah, and unfortunately, he was the only one that wasn't under you know AEW contract or or well, I mean besides you know Anderson and Gallows, but they are under Impact yeah, contract. Great no, okay. You know... This was uh, this was the end of his little run, according to him. Uh, so I think he's going to be back in Mexico for a while. But I'm sure this is not the last of Laredo Kid we'll be seeing in AEW. I, I hope not, especially after the debacle that was uh, the the cruiserweight the AAA cruiserweight title situation in between AAA and MLW, where Leo Rush. Been Laredo Kid and won the title, but now AAA is not recognizing that title change. Yeah, they just decided that that, that didn't happen. Never mind. Never yeah. mind. Pro yeah, wrestling, just forget that. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. Yeah. It, just, we've gone to AAA's official statement. That's the official Oh, shit. Oh Jesus! You know what? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not the lucha expert. Like, uh, like you imagine know, that's like, on the letterhead. 
friend of the show, Cubs fan, uh, who someone AAA letterhead, and it's just like it's just like alliterative, just all the sounds. <laughs> And we don't even know which uh, we don't even know which AAA it is at this point because you know there's there there's the American AAA that's suing the Mexican AAA. It, it, it's AAA is weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who who really gets to be at the beginning of the phone book? That's the most important thing to, to right. Well, no, no, and, well, no. I mean, they're they're both the Lucha Company is the thing. And, oh, it and, would be really great if just one of them just turns into quadruple A. Like that's the that's the move. Right. Well, one of them be Right, and one of them's suing the other right now. So that's why that's why you can't find Triple Mania anymore. Even though it was... we're going to start quadruple A. That's the <laughs> that's the next evolution. It's quadruple A wrestling. Oh boy. Uh anyway, uh, so the match ends. The the Lucha Bros uh, and Laredo Kid, uh, you know, unceremoniously leave the ring, and then uh, they are confronted. And then Omega and the Good Brothers are then confronted by one Jonathan Moxley and exec- Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson. Moxley just like saunters out to the ring so coolly, I might add. Sorry, you caught me. Uh up in a drink here um yeah and I'm then i guess the and now we got the uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah i guess so now the inevitable team up between mox and the bucks are coming and means to a good end i the thing about you know the young bucks and john moxley teaming up is that that is high profile main event level shit and if we just you know kind of stretch this out via promos and via keeping them you know adjacent but apart for a couple of months like this could very easily headline or at least be a feature match at double or nothing uh, I regret to inform you that next week on Dynamite we will have Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers against the Young Bucks and John Moxley. I don't expect it to be the full blow off. I think we're gonna get a schmaz finish or something. Uh, well, it's definitely, it's definitely gonna be the means to an end. I mean, it, 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 it's gonna be moving puzzle pieces around. You know, it's just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a blow off by any by any means. Yeah, no, I think this is a this is kind of and again we move towards you know more faction wars and more team ups and things like that. And this is kind of a fun one. Uh, I think it'll be a fun match. You know, uh, Moxley has talked about not really knowing or liking the Young Bucks, so kind of having this like tenuous partnership, I think will be interesting. Well, John, welcome to the club about not really knowing or liking the Young Bucks. <laughs> Again, John Moxley fucks and the Young Bucks do not. Like those are very different energies of people. It's like why, you know, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks are such an important rivalry. It's dudes that fuck versus dudes that do not fuck. Which is funny because dudes that do not fuck and you have to have them coexist. Which is funny because considering the Bucks have uh, you know, like what, three times the amount of kids uh, that Box does. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, we then go. All the jokes that I really, truly want to make are all ones you do not want me to tell on the podcast. You uh, are absolutely so. correct. <laughs> if you want to hear those jokes, tweet me at beat. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> tweet, tweet, thick flare TTV. That's, that's, uh, that's all C's, no K's all day. All so, day. We then go to Britt Baker and, Rebel Reba, whatever you want to call her. And, uh, yeah, they're still going to run down uh, Thunder Rosa. I want to call so. her the X Factor of Britt Baker's uh, rise to, to stardom. I think she's low-key, like an enormous part of it. 
Oh yeah, I mean it has to be. You know, so like I think after like the... an unsung hero, really. Like, and Britt Baker on her own merits has obviously improved greatly. She's done some really, really great stuff during her AEW run. Gotten a lot better and made herself into a bona fide star on this show. But and and, and, and what... been just a gigantic uh, uh, help. Uh, there added you know levity and humor in spots that's really needed it uh she's been a great heater and even doing like the healy kind of uh you know cheatery stuff being there as like that traditional manager role she's really excelled in all of it uh and just needs to be uh you know commended we then go to our fifth match of the evening a uh, women's tag team match in which hikaru shida and tai conti take on nyla rose and ali the bunny um, oh yeah, and of course we had the Dark Order and the Hardy Family Office. Um, yes, Dark Order's little shows of solidarity. Ty Conti continue. Ty Conti not in Dark Order, but you know friends there to help. Did you see the footage from Dark of her just big booting the fuck out of? I well again I did watch Dark this week. Yeah, yeah, what and, a kick! She's got one of the best pump kicks in the game. It, it, it seems that uh, it, it, it's come to light recently that apparently Ty Conti likes to watch uh, matches featuring one Katsuyori Shibata quite a bit. Wow. I am shocked. After watching Kai Conti wrestle, I'm shocked she's into Shibata. Well, just as long as she doesn't do those headbutts, that's all I'm going to say. She, well, I think, you know, another thing about being, you know, a modern Shibata fan is you also learn what not to do. Right, exactly. With the, with the benefit of hindsight, you can take wrestlers like Shibata, like Brian Danielson, like a lot of wrestlers who, despite being talented, you know, threw caution to the wind maybe a little bit too often uh, when they didn't need to. And I think a lot of younger wrestlers have learned from that side of things as well. Uh, so that's good. That's good. I think wrestlers are taking less of those risks overall now. I think I saw a comment uh, somewhere on the internet that says basically, basically said that you see what happens when you when you watch uh, Shibata matches instead of Shawn Michaels matches. <laughs> I think it helps. I think it helps. But um, I didn't really bring this up. But dur- I'm glad you brought up Shawn Michaels because during the uh, inner circle beatdown segment. Uh, before Jericho threw MJF through the Pepsi machine, he called back to his uh, ha- very famous feud with Shawn Michaels when he told MJF the worst is yet to come. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that line. Um... And I think that that was a really interesting use of that and callback because I think there are a lot of parallels to MJF and Shawn Michaels, Jeff. Like the fact that I... both of them are unbearable? I, well, I think <laughs> so. Well, here's the point. I think that despite having detractors, and those are guys that are going to have lifetime detractors, are both going to achieve, or MJF is going to, and Shawn Michaels has achieved tremendous success in the wrestling business. And I think the same is true of MJF. Like, I think he's going to be like a a lasting name in pro wrestling, whether people like it or not. I mean, he, uh, and he, I think that's the biggest parallel to Shawn Michaels that he has, because regardless of his character, you know, being not for you, he's incredibly talented and entertaining and is going to stay on TV. Right. And, and I recognize that. But I also recognize that in, in the words of my honey is that, you know, he, he, his scarf is his gimmick, you know. <laughs> 
Well, I think yeah. the gimmick. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the embodiment of it, and to have an embodiment of your gimmick, much like Shawn Michaels had his big vest and sunglasses. Um, you know, it's it's a part of it. Well, MJF is like a cartoon character, right? Like he's really good at like being cartoony. Like even like I don't want to just totally rehash the segment, but like when he like got pulled out of the toilet when he got the swirly there and like did like the water spit and like his his eyes kind of like bugged out. Like it was very cartoonish, and he's really good at those kind of things and making things really big and entertaining, uh, comedically or, or otherwise. And that's kind of what I think his big value is right now. And you know, a lot like Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is a great seller. Anyway, back to this match. Um... We, we all love Ty Conti, and yet she takes the loss here after a you know, little man. weird result. I'm trying to like parse this out and like why we decided to go this way. And you know, I try not to get too locked up in the results of matches and like let things, you know, the chips fall where they may. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, whatever. But it seemed like a strange a result. Why it, do you think we did it this way? It, well, especially after they went last week and gave her this huge win. Yeah, huge win. We talked about how now she's like in the main event scene. Do you think that maybe they felt that she was safe to take this pin? And like, it kind of feels like 50-50 booking, which I'm not a big fan of. Well, I think that, I think the reason why is so that they can start building Allie the Bunny back up. As, which as is a wrestler. With a, but pinning Ty Conti is like not, I don't know, man. So then who, was, ta- so then who takes the It's a match that I expected Conti to, yeah. and Sheeta to win. Like, you have the, yeah. the champ and the number one contender, and now they're getting pinned. And it was – obviously, it was dirty. Like, you know, she took a kendo stick shot. So it, well, it wasn't like a clean win. Still, interesting result. Yeah, it, it is. Let's see where they go with this. But, yes, Ty Conti, so. absolutely amazing. And I know they want to show this, like, uh, you know, Matt Hardy and his group are out to hurt the Dark Order and Dark Order adjacent people. And I guess that's fine. But, you know, this didn't involve Adam Page, which is kind of the whole animus behind why Matt Hardy's after Dark Order. So why does Ty Conti have to take a loss for that? Right. And now, and by the way, Matt Hardy should be getting his his, his earnings now because we are now in the second quarter. Yeah, that's uh, the 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 checks are done now. He's collected his money from the first quarter. That's okay and, because I mean, well, I mean, there still have to be some earnings coming from the from the first quarter. I mean, there might know. be some. Yeah, there might be some residuals. Check might be in the mail. Yeah, check might be in the mail. But still, you know what, Adam Page. Yeah, he he gave a lot of it to public education in Jacksonville. So you know, good guy Adam Page. We love Adam to see Page. it. We then get a. A promo with Jurassic Express, whereby they are challenging uh, Bear Country to a match next week in a in a in a Godzilla versus Kong match, sponsored by sponsored by Godzilla versus Kong. You know, it's good. I this is like great marketing. I love this. I, I think it's great. I've just talked recently. We've talked on this podcast about Bear Country uh, being a possible big addition to the tag team roster and being kind of just the missing piece that they needed. And uh, them getting featured in a you know a match that's sponsored by a big time film franchise, pretty big. Yeah, a pretty I, big step. Have you seen it yet? I did. Yeah. Okay. What did you think? What do you, I mean, what does anyone think of it? It's like a dog shit movie where like a monsters fight sometimes. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, I know that these American, the American Godzilla movies are like kind of they're, they're dog shit, but we like the monster fights, but 
That's it. That's it. But, yeah. But, and, but 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 then there's Shin Godzilla and like that movie like actually affected me. You know. Oh. <laughs> you know. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, this this is, movie is not – it's not going to affect you and it's not designed to um, – but I I thought it was, you know, fine for what it was, I guess. Uh, like, some of the fight scenes were, were uh, pretty good. Uh, none of the characters or their development or anything that they were doing mattered to me, and I didn't give a shit about anything that they did. But uh, one of the things I kind of appreciated that they did was they made all of the characters just insufferable and annoying so that if anyone were to get killed, you wouldn't feel bad. And right. I appreciate that. Yeah, that, that, I, I got that same feeling. It, I got that same feeling. Do, like, make all your human characters super annoying uh, so that when they get murked by the giant monsters that you don't really care about it. But yeah, I mean, as far as Hoss fights go, like I thought it was booked all right. Uh, you know, uh, Kong, I thought was a good underdog baby face. Godzilla was your classic monster heel. Uh, Kong came, you know, came from behind there a little bit. And then you got a surprise triple threat and you always love that. Well, so you know, I haven't I think, seen it. Well, hold on. I haven't seen it yet. So right. I'm not, I'm not going to go any further than that, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's good booking. See, now I want to know who that other monster is. You'll have to tell me off the air. Cause, okay. uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, um, you know, I, that's, that's kind of how I felt about the, uh, what was it? The, 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 the King of the Monsters movie. Like, oh yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Show me, show more of the monster shit. Yeah. Forget all the humans. They, they are all, they're all ridiculous, you know? The only time I wanted to see a human in one of those movies was Brian Cranston in that Godzilla movie. Cause oh, yeah. he was really good. And that movie like took a noticeable dive in quality after they killed off Cranston's character. Well, yeah, that's because the kid who was kick-ass, whose name I can't remember, Aaron something. Yeah, he just Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, he he couldn't carry the movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. I'm on the human yes. side. We then get our main event of the evening: the arcade anarchy match between uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian and Miro with Penelope Ford. Uh, first off, we get right into it. Fucking, where is my mind by the Pixies? Yeah, and they this last week that they were uh, that it was uh, you know uh, spoiled or I guess or revealed that this was going to be his entrance music on uh, the elevation taping. And uh, I I even admire that they they even kept the the bit with Kim Deal's voice getting like uh, you know the 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 tape stop on it so you hear that I with uh you know Kim Kim singing at the beginning of the song before yeah the, no before it, the guitar the, yeah and it, and it really works and this was I guess this was Tony Khan's idea and I gotta say good ear good ear Tony Khan I like yeah. it oh yeah great 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 uh great theme song um so of course the um the ring area is set up with various arcade machines including very real very normal very working arcade machines that yeah. definitely props yeah it, well no actually some of them were actually working machines some of them were working uh, some of them definitely. yeah the the, oh. the moral combat 2 machine clearly one of those the arc- arc- machine may have been a prop uh, that was clearly one of those arcade one-up uh cabinets you can buy at walmart for like 300 bucks if that that might have been like one of those big displays at ikea that like they put in rooms to like show you like what it could look like well, no, I mean, no. Do you know what I'm talking about? The arcade one-ups, where yeah, they, yeah, yeah like the, little... the, the the very tiny versions of an arcade yeah, little... cabinet. Yeah, that would be great if they just like took like the little ones that like sit on your desktop and like you just hit them with that. I'd really oh, be into. Oh, there you go. But uh, also, so I noticed that they have they have an area for ticket prizes, but there's no skee ball machine anywhere. Yeah, where was the skee ball? 
conspicuously missing. I mean, who, who wouldn't have wanted a spot where uh, Miro, like, throws Chuck Taylor slides or somebody I like that, yeah. They missed that. Like a huge missed opportunity, absolutely. They, yeah, they oh, missed no. that. But otherwise, otherwise uh, this match fucking ruled. Wow, what great execution. Like, you know, we don't really get into stuff like booking a lot on this podcast, but what a really well-booked match. Like, as far as the back and forth... Uh, the you know pace inside and outside of the ring, uh, all the various reveals were paced really well and like in really great effective spots that like all told a story in the match. Miro looked great, uh, really you know the tough guy Miro that everyone's kind of really wanted and looked for. This match was not as goofy as we expected. It was a uh, really heavy hitting. It really was. Uh, I'm surprised <laughs> they're going to get mostly goofy shit, but it really wasn't very goofy. It was. Uh, it was a hell of a match. I- I'm honestly surprised uh, nobody bled in this match. <laughs> but I guess we yeah, already no. have two, two other bleeding spots in this show. Uh, yeah, maybe they they they, they kind of drew the line there. Um, I will say this uh, for the record: is that this show beat Excalibur to using the Garth Marenghi line. Yes, he did. That was also very fun. Uh, I I know people or I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we we use that first. We've used on this podcast before. <laughs> yes, in fact, I think it was what I think it was uh, two or three episodes ago we used that. Yeah, it was pretty recently, but I, I, it was a great acknowledgement of it. It's cool as the Excalibur is on that same track too. We don't need fucking subtext. It's pro wrestling. <laughs> uh, you know what we did need. We needed, we needed Chris Statlander. Yeah, we did. Coming out from the UFO catcher machine. Absolutely. And uh, a great, and some people said, like, I can't believe no one noticed this. Like, it was obviously super uh, apparent what they were doing there with it. And Excalibur even mentioned that to love, love a Toy Story ref. Very good stuff. Very apt. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that was a nice little shock. And then we yeah, got super fun. And she just like pushed the plexiglass out like right into Penelope Ford's <laughs> face, leaving a makeup imprint firmly on the plexiglass, oh, which was probably, yes. like, very funny stuff. Just a really great effective spot. Yeah, and then, uh, then yeah. she really comes out and what is that move she does? It's like a Michinoku driver, but she like pulls it up from the other side. Like oh, it's like God, a what is that called? It, it's something from Joshi, of course, you know. <laughs> it's it's Michinoku driver-esque. It is. I can't. Oh God, what is that called? I can't I don't remember know what it's called. That, but it's called that Chris Statlander did. You can tweet us at BGTD podcast on what the move is called. But either but way, she did it off right the through, apron, through a fucking air hockey table. Hell yeah. Uh, really good stuff. Great return uh, for Chris Statlander. Uh, you know, picks right up with that momentum that she had going with the best friends before. Uh, she was doing segments on being the elite with them a lot before her injury, too. So it'll be nice to see her back. I'm excited. And then, uh, that, but, but wait, there's more. One more thing. We're all going to put on our Steve Jobs turtlenecks. We got one more thing. As uh, as at one point, uh, Orange Cassie and Chuck Taylor are crawling up the entrance, you know, the, 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 the ramp going to the parking lot. Of Daly's place, and a uh, a car pulls up. And wait, oh no! Wild it, 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 it's not a car; it's a minivan. And it, it's Sue. Sue is back, and she's got her beautiful baby boy in the back seat. Trent has returned. Uh, Greg is a back. lot D- sooner than D- I thought. Dustin and Greg reunited. They, like I thought, he was out for like months more. 
It, it's been months, brother. Has it been months? It's been months. I, 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 man. I don't know how you not know that when this feud feels like it's gone on 50 million years as it is. Yeah, but I feel like we've seen Trent more recently than that. I thought this was a really fast return. I guess I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, great to see you back. Uh, yeah, that, that was great. Uh, Miro, of course, tries to, you know, hassle Sue and try to do damage to the minivan, which, uh, how which, dare you, which means Miro has not watched previous episodes of AEW dynamite because we all know you do not fuck with Sue's you van. Do not fuck with Sue's van. How do you not know this? Damn. He was too busy buying expensive clothes. Uh, he was too busy waiting in line for $700 tennis shoes. That's right. Yeah. Just do not fuck with Sue's van. Cause it, it will end badly for you. And it did. It did. Chuck Taylor. And, and, and a great spear from Trent on his return here. That was uh, really big, that that spear through the table. Oh, yeah, and then followed up immediately with... Uh, now, it looked like... It, it came off like a power slam uh, by by Chuck Taylor to, to Kip Sabian, but I thought he was going for awful waffle. That's what I think it was. Uh, as much as you could get it, like, you know, on that plane. Right, but uh, Chuck Taylor gets the win on... On Kip Sabian. Hopefully this feud's over. We hated this. And that's about win- the best blow-off you're going to ask for. You're not topping that. So yeah. let's go off on a high note here. Yeah, we, we, we hated the feud, but god damn, this match ruled. What a fantastic match. Yeah, it was really great. Um, AEW does get this shit right, man. Like, it's it's really amazing that their biggest failure was the exploding barbed wire death match. You know, a match that you would expect them to get right based on all the other stuff that they do well, a la this match here. Um, but you know, this is just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. That, that, yeah, it's, a they, they actually do succeed on these, you know, plunder hardcore type matches. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we had so much confidence about the exploding barbed wire match. But, uh, you know, it's just, we talked about it. It's really hard to do, man. A big margin for error. Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> and they met it, but yeah, this match had no errors. This was, no, this this was, was fantastic. fantastic. Except for, except for the ski ball. They, they could have done the ski ball. If we imagine this match, but with ski ball, it would have been a five star Meltzer classic. If it had ski ball. Yeah. It would have been, you know, uh, it would have been ball in the little 100 cup. That's right. Oh yeah. Hey, now I want to play some ski ball. I would love to play ski ball. I tell you what, when when this whole pandemic thing ends, I, the first place I am going is Galloping Ghost. Oh, there you go. You know what? I'm going to New Orleans uh, in May. I bet you I can find ski ball somewhere. Yeah. Well, you you know what Galloping Ghost is? Right? No, I don't. Oh, it's a gigantic, huge arcade in uh, in Brookfield. Oh, okay. And they they even have a separate building for all their pinball machines. I would do my little arcade gaming at Emporium as a uh, as a Logan Square guy Ooh. when I was up there. Because they, they had a lot of pinball machines there, and they also had skee-ball. Oh, okay. Well, a lot of pinball there. Yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're I mean, it, yeah, Galloping Ghost rules. They have, like, they uh, even have arcade games that never officially got released. Oh, fun. Like, like the Judge Dredd machine. Oh, Which nice. was, uh, okay. by, by the way, I can understand why that game never got released, because uh, that <laughs> game sucked. <laughs> Whoa, what a surprise, based on what a, such a great movie. No, 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 this was before the movie. As, oh, this so was does even, it, have, it didn't even have anything to do with the movie? No. Oh, weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, believe it or not. Wow, yeah, okay, so. that is weird. 
There's an arcade machine that would have been that was also conspicuously missing from Arcade Anarchy. If you want to have anarchy, you got to have Judge Dredd, Anarchy's ultimate enemy, like <laughs> one of the most fascist comic book characters ever. Yeah. But then again, they that game never came out. So. True. Uh, I did. I, I did like pointing out like all the oh you know there was uh, you know the the original Mario Brothers or Pac Man or you know pl- plenty of. Mortal Kombat. I, 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 all credit to Tony Schiavone for pointing out Mortal Kombat Two. Yes, I mean it did say MK Two on the side. He could he could get that one pretty easily. But it is also now, Tony Schiavone, and you know he is kind of an old guy. You know, I mean he is an old yes, but I think he he, he like knows a little bit of video game stuff, right? Like he's got a little like base game knowledge. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I feel like he's a guy who knows like just enough. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can find me on Twitter at ThickFlareTTV, um, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, and this podcast, the aforementioned BGTD Podcast Twitter account. That's at BGTD Podcast. Tweet us about Franklin and Bash or your favorite uh, prestige television series, because that's what this podcast is about now. This is a prestige TV podcast. Next week, we'll be talking about Low Winter Sun on AMC. Now wait a minute. Are we talking about the, the are we talking about the British version or the original uh, Scandinavian version? No, the American version that's about Detroit that they tried to oh, make uh, that they tried to use the Breaking Bad lead in to uh, to launch, but much like any other Detroit set prestige television show, it did not work. Very unfortunate that there haven't really been many good Detroit TV shows or any besides Detroiters. You can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel, two S is one L. Uh, a new Busting Balls will be recorded tomorrow uh, when you hear this. So uh, hopefully that should be up uh, relatively soon after we record. So uh, anyway, Paul, any last words? Best wishes to DMX. Oh, yeah, I did see that right before I got on the air. That's, that's kind of wild. Sounds like he's uh, improving, but all the best, all the best. My first concert, like my first like concert that I went to, like as a, like not as a toddler or whatever, uh, was uh, Rough Riders Cash Money, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Damn. Well, get well, DMX. We'll see you next week. Oh. <laughs>